0: everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and I hope you're having a fine whenever the heck it is you're listening to this. Me? Eh, I'm doing okay. It's been kind of a stressful week. I suspect that some of that stress is due to the fact that I've had the song The Entertainer stuck in my head for the last two weeks, which is... Not ideal. For those of you unfamiliar, The Entertainer is the other song that they play out of ice cream trucks that isn't turkey in the straw. I think it was also used in the movie The Sting, which is a good movie, but mostly I've got it stuck in my head because a couple of weeks ago I mentioned the scene in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot where George Kennedy is in an ice cream truck and tells a kid to go fuck a duck. But thinking about that made me think about ice cream truck music, and that made me think about the song The Entertainer. And then that made me think about the Reverend Horton Heat song, The Entertainer, which is a totally different song that just has the same name. And then that made me think about how the bass player for the Reverend Horton Heat used to ride on his upright bass while he played it. And I told Lisa about that. And when I was saying it, I realized that when I said he rode the bass, I didn't include like a surfboard, which was the way that he was riding it. And that made me picture him riding the bass like a horsey well, he was playing it, and that seems like that would be a lot of fun. So, as you can tell, I've had a very busy week. Anyway, we got a pretty fun comic book to talk about, so let's go do that instead of this free word association. <laughs> Without any further ado, let's, uh, do this. Today's Synopsis Rhyme is submitted by Osvaldo Ayola. Thanks, Osvaldo. Incidentally, if you guys haven't checked out Osvaldo's page, The Middle Spaces, you totally should, because it's great. <clears throat> Tried to convince Hub to switch to summary, which might help overcome repetitive flummery. We didn't see eye-to-eye, aka Stereopsis, so once again, here it is. Same old synopsis. Thanks, Osvaldo. Yeah, I'm not sure why I'm such a stickler that it has to be synopsis, but I really am. New Teen Titans, number 33, July, 1983. Who killed Trident? Written by Marv Wolfman, drotted by George Perez, inked by Romeo Tangal, lettered by Ben Oda, coloreded by Adrienne Roy, and edited by Len Wein. Teen Titan Roll Call, Wonder Girl, Cyborg, Kid Flash, Beast Boy, Starfire, Robin, Terra, and featuring a special guest appearance from the greatest teen titan of all time. Previously in the new Teen Titans. Several months ago, the Titans teamed up with world's worst district attorney, Adrian Chase, to take on a mob boss named Anthony Scarapelli, who is recruiting teenage runaways to sell drugs to other teenage runaways. Also, Robin has been a real asshole lately, like more than usual. After acting like a dismissive prick to his rad space princess girlfriend, Starfire, the belligerent bird enthusiast sullenly announced to the team that he was taking an unexpected leave of absence and would probably be back in a couple of weeks. Gadzooks! Zooks! Is that really all the poop from previous periodicals that's pertinent to our pugilism-prone protagonists? Does his mention in this recap mean that we haven't seen the last of the DA who hates crime nearly as much as he hates laws? And what's the catalyst behind Robin's startling transformation into slightly more of a jerk than before? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so, yep, we got ourselves two largely self-contained issues in a row. Hooray. Yep. And he's disturbed because Bruce Wayne has brought home another young boy. Fair enough. Our story starts off with a body being dredged out of the bay and onto the docks. And who's that doing the dredging? Why, the two greatest heroes in the DCU, of course. The undisputed ruler of the deep and his amazing charismatic sidekick. That's right, it's Aqualad and his octopus pal Topo. Hooray! The dynamic damp duo have been called in by the Titans to help out with an investigation of the murder of a new supervillain named Trident, who was just found murdered with his eponymous high-tech pitchfork sticking out of his chest. Ouch! It is his corpse that Topo is tossing onto the wharf. So, a couple of things here. As ecstatic as I am to see the marine teen and a cephalopod sidekick in action, I'm a little confused as to why they were called in on this one. Trident, despite his weapon of choice, isn't a water-based villain, and they didn't need Aqualad's help finding the body because finding the body was presumably the way they knew he was dead. My theory is that they call Aqualad at the start of every single one of their adventures, and that this is just the first time he's bothered to answer his phone. Which is shaped like a shell. Ooh, and also that in the DC universe, it was Aqualad, not me, who thought of calling pistachios tree clams. And that he really thought they were a new kind of clam and was really excited at first. But then when he couldn't use his powers to communicate with them, he decided that they were just really pretentious for not talking to him and walked away muttering, Lousy stuck-up tree clams think they're so great just because they live in a tree. Wait, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, the murdered supervillain. So Aqualad and Topo asked all the fish in New York if they knew who stabbed Trident. And all the fish were like, Nope, you know he's not a water-based villain, right? And also because they're New York fish... Probably at least one of them was like, Hey, I'm swimming here! I'm swimming here! Aqualad informs his buddies that the local fish couldn't solve their murder for them, then dives back into the sea, claiming to have a hot date with a mermaid. I hope it's Lori Lamar's. They'd make a cute couple. The rest of the team heads back to the Titan Tower. Perhaps inspired by their hero Aqualad, the gang decides to take a dip in the pool while reminiscing about their recent battles with the now-departed Dewbatter Trident. But before he launches into his tale of his encounter with the impaled evildoer, Beast Boy turns into a shark and hassles a swimming Terra. So she punches him in the face. Hooray! The punched polymorph petulantly pontificates to our protagonist about the time a few days ago when he and Cyborg were hanging out in Vic's apartment. Vic was super grumpy. A, because he had recently found out that his definitely not girlfriend, Sarah Sims, was engaged to a dude who wears a basketball jersey over a turtleneck and tucks both shirts in, and two, because he was hanging out with Beast Boy. The discontented duo were startled to hear a loud explosion outside. The two titans leapt out the window to confront the source of the disturbance, a dude in a purple and yellow bodysuit wielding a high-tech pitchfork who was carrying a large sack of money over his shoulder. "'You guys!' I think that might be trident. The colorfully clad crook blasted the young heroes with a bunch of different rays out of his tritined weapon. As he did so, he used some slang words and ended his gerunds with apostrophes, so Vikangar decided he was probably super dumb. Unfair, guys. Unnecessary apostrophes don't necessarily make you stupid. He might be from space. Our heroes chased the probably not from space reprobate into a construction site. Then Trident blasted Gar with an ice blast, incapacitating the Emerald Adolescent. When Cyborg went to check on his frosty friend, Trident blasted a nearby support beam and caused an unfinished steel structure to collapse on the two teens. Vic was able to use his robot body to shield Gar from the brunt of the impact, but the pair was pinned under the rubble, allowing Trident to escape. Back in the present, a poolside Cyborg laments that the deceased delinquent had managed to elude them, making off with $125,000 in stolen loot. That lucky dead bastard. Wally wonders why they're bothering to try to solve this murder anyway, seeing as how Trident was a criminal, and therefore deserved to be horribly murdered. Everybody tells Wally to shut the fuck up. Hooray! Meanwhile, Starfire has gone off to retrieve Robin from his impromptu sabbatical. Her first stop is stately Wayne Manor. Coriander is surprised when the door to the palatial estate is answered by some red-haired kid who just kind of stands there and stares at her drooling on account of how pretty she is. Alfred explains that the salivating carrot top is Jason Todd, the boy who Bruce Wayne has just adopted to replace Dick. So I guess being Batman's sidekick is kind of like being in Menudo. Once your voice changes, you're out of a job. Harsh. Oh well, this Jason Todd guy seems like a nice kid. I'm sure everything will work out fine for him, and he will have a long and happy life. Back at the Titan Tower, the gang is hanging around the kitchen table in their robes, enjoying some baked goods. They're about two sexual innuendos and a story about St. Olaf away from it being a full-blown Golden Girls episode when they decide to spoil everything by comparing notes about the conflicting opinions they formed about this trident fellow during their respective scuffles with him. Damn it, Titans! I was looking forward to hearing Tara reminisce sarcastically about the old days in Sicily, because she totally would have been the Sophia in this scenario. Donna is surprised to hear that Vic and Gar got the impression that Trident was a dummy, because when she and Raven fought the fork-flinging felon, he seemed like a real poindexter. Raven agrees, and launches into her recollection of the encounter. The Azerathian Empath and the Amazonian Princess were taking a stroll around the city. Donna was trying to convince Raven to let the Amazons on Paradise Island zap her with their purple panacea gizmo, and see if that could bug-bomb the demonic bad dad out of her soul-tummy. Raven declined the offer on the grounds of overly dramatic martyrdom. Suddenly, both the conversation and perambulation were interrupted by a commotion at the nearby Museum of Natural History. Turned out, Trident was robbing the joint, and this time, the felonious fork fetishist sounded all sciency, using big words and eschewing contractions. Wow, he went from too many apostrophes to no apostrophes at all. Dude, you don't need to quit apostrophes cold turkey. Apostrophe moderation is the key. Otherwise, you might find yourself in a situation where you have to use a possessive, and then you end up using way too many apostrophes and going on a bender, and wind up talking with a Claremontian New Orleans accent. Nobody wants that. Anyway, the apostrophe-less asshole was stuffing priceless artifacts into his loot sack when Wonder Girl jumped out and punched him in the face. Hooray! She knocked him around for a little bit, but then Trident redirected the focus of his fancy flatware and fired his forked flames at the relics in the museum display cases. Donna was forced to stop punching him for a minute so that she could rescue the art. Raven tried to intercede, but her attempt to apprehend the avaricious arsonist went awry. When she tried to grab him, her hand encountered only thin air where Trident appeared to be. What? In the ensuing confusion, the complimentary colored creep took a powder. But the good news was that most of the antiques were safe, and the bonus good news was that the dinosaur skeletons that were in the background of most of the fight scenes didn't get knocked over, which was something that I was sincerely low-key stressed out about for the last few pages. Hooray! Back at the Titans' Golden Girl-esque robed roundtable discussion, the rest of the teenage teammates disagree about Donna and Raven's characterization of Trident with Vic and Gar insisting that he was dumber than described, while Wally and Terra hold that he was, um, sneezier, which apparently to them supersedes extreme fluctuations of intelligence. Fair enough. Wally also takes this as an opportunity to be a dick to Raven for no reason. Because, of course, he does. The tumultuous titan Tete-a-Tete is interrupted briefly by Beast Boy stopping to speculate that Robin could resolve this Rashomon in a second if he were there. Speaking of the boy wonder... Just where has Robin gone off to? Well, it turns out that if Bruce Wayne can find a new acrobatic orphan to mentor, then Dick Grayson can find a new unhinged father figure who demonstrates his hatred for crime by constantly breaking the law. That's right, Robin is palling around with world's worst district attorney, Adrian Chase. Well, shit. The two crime-hating cronies are consummating their May-December bromance by staking out the mansion of Anthony Scarapelli, that mob boss that they took down a few issues ago. Turns out, Scarapelli went free on a technicality, so now Chase and Robin are going to break into his mansion for some reason. Because that should fix everything. Because it is a covert mission, Chase is dressed like a 1970s dock worker, and Robin is wearing his usual garish red, green, and yellow outfit. Although, to be fair, while his color scheme may not make any sense for nighttime surveillance work, it also makes no sense for being Robin-themed, seeing as those birds have no green or yellow plumage. So, at least he's consistent. Robin and Chase hop over Scarapelli's fence and knock out a couple of his security guards. Back at the Titan Tower, Beast Boy has just received a call from the police. Turns out they have identified Trident's corpse as being one Sammy Jay a low-level thug who is a known enforcer for terrible acronym-havers, HIVE, the Hierarchy of International Vengeance and Eliminations, or, as I like to think of them, the Rankers of Spicy Poops. An editorial note tries to tell us that the acronym now stands for something slightly different, but fuck that. You named them the Spicy Poop Rankers, so now they're named the Spicy Poop Rankers. Deal with it. Starfire pops in and tells the gang that she can't find Robin, and since she found out that Dick is now a jilted orphan, she's pretty worried about him. Some of the other Titans seem concerned, but not Wally and Terra, who are itching to recap their encounter with Trident, seeing as they're the only ones who haven't gotten a turn yet. Wally tells the gang that he and Terra were the only ones hanging out at the tower when the reports of a jewelry store robbery came in. The two Titans headed over to the scene of the crime. On the way there, Wally decided to be a jerk to Tara for no particular reason and tell the team's newest recruit that he neither likes nor trusts her. Geez, Wally. There is such a thing as an internal monologue. Maybe you could try using that for your unprovoked criticisms for a change. The two young superheroes confronted a fleeing trident at a nearby drive-in theater that was playing E.T. Their impression of the yellow and purple pitchfork packer was that he sneezed a lot and maybe had a southern accent or something. The sneezy supposed Southerner blasted Kid Flash with his fire fork, and then used it to light the movie screen on fire. Tara was able to use her earth-bending powers to rupture a water main and douse the flames, but, in the ensuing chaos, Trident escaped. Despite his previous unnecessarily stated misgivings, Wally was impressed with how Tara handled herself, and decided she wasn't so bad after all. So, that's nice. After listening to the story, Starfire is like, So, you guys all fought a masked person who seemed really different to each of you. What makes you think it's the same guy and not three different guys? Nobody has a good answer for that question. Terra responds by saying, Shut up, Starfire. You have big boobs, so you're probably dumb. You don't get to have an idea. I'm only slightly paraphrasing. It was jarringly out of line. What the fuck is wrong with you, Terra? Everybody tells Terra to shut the fuck up, but Starfire is like, you know what, I'm glad that's out in the open, because you guys might not say it as bluntly as this little earth-bending asshole, but I've seen you guys think the same thing. I'm smart as fuck, I'm just from a different planet, and I'm new to some of your earth bullshit. That doesn't make me dumb. Way to go, Starfire. The gang agrees with Coriander, and everybody apologizes. Donna says the space princess is probably right about Trident being three dudes, as that makes sense both logistically and thematically, him being named Trident and all. Vic chimes in that he just figured out a way to use the dead Trident's weapon to track down his erstwhile partners' respective forks. Hooray! The Titans tracked down Sneezy Fork and Brainy Fork to their secret hideout. Apparently Brainy Fork was an inventor who worked for Hive. When he developed the technology used in the Trident, Rather than turning it over to the rankers of spicy poops, he decided to go into business for himself, enlisting two of his fellow hive flunkies to help out. Then Dummy Fork started withholding some of his ill-gotten wealth from the other two members of the triad. Sneezy convinced Brainy that they had to kill Dummy for holding out on them and not splitting the loot evenly as they had previously agreed. The Titans bust in and beat up the two not-dead tridents. Dual dents? No, that's somebody else. For a second, Wonder Girl and Beast Boy are unable to land a hit on the seemingly intangible brainy fork, but then Cyborg uses his robovision to see that the insidious inventor was using some kind of hologram generator to fool them. The mostly mechanical marvel grabs Trident's trident and Beast Boy turns into a lion and sits on him. Our titular titans truss up the remaining two tridents and cart them off to jail. Hooray! Meanwhile, across town, Adrian, Chase, and Robin stealthily sneak across Anthony Scarapelli's lawn, careful not to make a sound. Then they Kool-Aid man their way through his window and into his crowded dining room. Okay. Hey, why in the hell did those guys leave the high-tech and easily traceable trident sticking out of their buddy's corpse instead of taking it with them? Maybe I was calling the wrong dude Dummy Fork. Nah. Nah. That guy used way too many apostrophes. What a dummy. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? Well, thank you. How are you? I am also well. It is a beautiful day outside. It is outstanding. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed this comic book. What did you think? I had fun reading it as well. Yeah, it's nice to get a standalone issue like it leads some threads that need to be tied up like with robin hanging out with the world's worst district attorney but it has almost a police procedural feel to it and i liked that about it it reminded me of like my favorite episodes of the x-files were always the self-contained ones maybe the smoking man comes in at the end Mm. but like it's not about fucking bees
1: or aliens or shit like, you don't have to just constantly feel like you missed a little bit of the point. Yeah. that's That was the thing. I loved the X-Files, but I always had that feeling of like, if only I understood just a little bit more, yeah. this whole thing would make great sense to me.
0: Yeah. But like, I really liked the standalone ones. And like this, I, I really liked this standalone one. And there was perhaps another reason I was especially well disposed towards this issue. Mm-hmm. Aqualad! I thought you might say that. It was nice to see him. Some help from a very large octopus. Yes. Okay, let's get into that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they called Aqualad? Well, Trident is a water bad guy. He's not a water bad guy.
1: Why is he called Trident? And why is he on that starfish He
0: carries a Trident. But that's like a water guy thing. It can be a water guy thing. It's also a the devil thing. He didn't do any water-based crimes. That's a good point. I just assumed he was a water guy cuz they found him dead in the water and he had that trident. That's the other thing. I don't know if they found him dead in the water like when we see it open. Aqualad is throwing him up on the dock. Mhm. But at that point, they know that he has been murdered and they have called Aqualad in to ask around underwater and see if they know what happened to him cuz they
1: found ostensibly
0: because they found the guy dead in the water. Maybe that was my logic. That would make sense, but at that point, like, if they found him dead in the water, did they just leave him there until Aqualad came and hoisted him up? Apparently. My theory is, he was found murdered on the dock, and then they called Aqualad, and they're like, Hey, Garth, you want to check this situation out, see if there's anything going on here? And he's like, okay. And so he hops on his octopus, Topo, and it's like, okay, grab that corpse. We'll drag him around the bay and ask any fishes if they know what happened to this guy.
1: Uh, it's possible, but I think they just found him there and called Aqualad because they're like, ah, oh, water death.
0: Okay, but then they just left him in the water until Aqualad got there to, they, to hoist dis- him up. You can't disturb a crime scene. You can't disturb <laughs> a crime scene, you joke? <laughs> I don't think my supposition is any less likely than your supposition.
1: It's a little bit less likely. And
0: it isn't like they called him up and then he hoisted him up onto the dock for them and then was like, okay, I'll go ask around. Because he had already asked around by the time that he hoisted him up there.
1: Right. So they so, called him. They found the body in the water. They called him. He checked out the body. He went and asked all the fish. He and then checked they... out
0: the body and left it in the water? Yes. Don't disturb <laughs> the
1: crime scene. Yeah. You said cop procedural. Uh, That's a hard word to that say. That is
0: not the way that cops proceed, Corey.
1: You, I thought you should not disturb the crime scene until the photograph guys got there. I think,
0: I'm pretty sure it's different if you got a floater. You got a floater. You don't let him float. You watch The Wire, right? Yeah, Yeah, they gotta get those bodies out of the water so that they don't bloat too bad. Oh yeah, that's gross. Yeah. Maybe they weren't worried about bloating because of the pitchfork holes. Trident Mm. holes. Trident holes in what? The body. That wouldn't make him bloat less, that would make him bloat more. That's how the water gets in. Oh, it's not water bloat, it's gas bloat. Hmm. There's a lot of science happening. We gotta watch more cop shows. Apparently. Okay. I'll have your badge for this. That's gonna be hard to do. Okay. You, I don't, I don't have a badge, man. Oh, I, I thought you were threatening me. That too. Oh, okay. okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I wouldn't. Ah, and I, I would. wouldn't
1: take your, your
0: badge. I know that you need it. Okay, good. We're <laughs> all
1: on the same page. All right. We're friends enough. again. Yes. Okay. Hooray. Right. Here we go. Cheers.
0: Aqualad doesn't stick around nearly long enough. Agreed. I mean, he's got places to go and mermaids to see. True. Which was weird. I guess I thought he was still dating Tula. I think maybe he was just uh, showing off for Beast Boy. For Beast Oh. <laughs> he has this thing where well, he's on the surface, I feel like he feels like he needs to fit in more. He's definitely a I've got a girlfriend in Canada type of guy, but he's just sweet and good natured about it. Mm-hmm. Kind of. And your heart goes out to Aqualad in a way that it doesn't to say Beast Boy. Beast Boy. Who's the worst? Okay. Fair. Well, canonically speedy is the worst, but Beast Boy is also a jerk. Mm-hmm. Which was why it was very satisfying to see him get punched in the face.
1: Yeah, or as Donna said, bopped. <laughs> yeah, and Tara's like,
0: "I'm sorry," and everybody's like, "No, oh, it's cool. Oh, cool." We all want to punch him in the face.
1: Also, I have always been told—I guess I was told once by a childhood friend—that if a shark attacks you, you should punch it in the nose. Punch it in the nose or hook its gills. I that's don't the other think thing. Think I would have the wherewithal to do that. Along those lines, I was told if an uh, aggressive moose knocks you down, you should reach into its nose with your thumb and forefinger and pinch its septum. What? <laughs> yeah, and it'll just be like, oh no, <laughs> and it'll take off.
0: Who gave you aggressive moose safety tips?
1: I read that online, but I don't know how I got there.
0: Like, so this was recent.
1: Oh no, this was years ago, but it's But it, but it was post-online,
0: it wasn't when you were a kid.
1: Right, yeah. It was somebody that was like a cross-country skier in, in some Nordic country. And this aggressive moose knocked them over. They are like, I don't know. I just reached up and squeezed and it ran away.
0: I don't think that's a big enough sample size to base your future decisions on.
1: Well, okay. I
0: mean, fuck. I mean, I how, guess how if many, an aggressive many... moose knocks you down, you what's you your, improvise. What's
1: your sample size for shark gill grabbing?
0: Oh, man. Lots of times.
1: <laughs> every time I've been
0: attacked. Every Sorry, shark. Every shark attack I've been involved in. You hook its gill, you go for the eyes. I but think it's actually you don't go for the nose. I I have heard the nose thing too. Hmm. I think what you're supposed to that's do That's where its is, brain is. Corey. <laughs> yes. No.
1: Okay. That's
0: And that is how you're supposed to deal with a shark. Uh you're supposed to bop it on the snout firmly with a rolled up newspaper see. and say no firmly in a loud, clear voice. Yes, no.
1: Rub and its nose and rub its corpse of <laughs> the bodies it's eaten. Yeah, so I can see what it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's your shark safety tip. All right. You heard it here <laughs> first. Ladies and gentlemen, bow, 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 bow. If you are attacked by a shark or a moose,
0: do different things. Yes. Sharks are not mooses. And now you know the rest of the story. So we meet a new character in this, uh, Jason Todd. We have not seen him before. What were your
1: thoughts? Not much to form an opinion of, other than why does Robin move out and and Bruce Wayne immediately replace him with a young ward? I think that is a
0: problem that Robin is struggling with at this point. Jason Todd is the replacement Robin. He is Robin 2, Electric Boogaloo. Mm. I'm sorry. I decided a while ago that that reference should be replaced every time with Robin 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold.
1: Which is The Legend of Curly's Gold? City Slickers 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course you would You would reference yeah. that. I haven't okay. seen the film. Really? Yeah, have you? No. Okay. It just seems like something that you would I, appreciate. I seem like, se- well, you seem I'm... like a Slitty City Slickers 2 kind of guy.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm a Bruno Kirby <laughs> completist, and I don't believe he was in the sequel.
1: I've never heard that expression before. So a blank actor's name completist is somebody that only will watch the movie if the actor that was in the first one was in for
0: the preceding I, I think technically if I was a, compl- a Bruno Kirby completist I would just have to watch all Bruno Kirby movies I could watch other movies as well but I have to watch every Bruno Kirby movie so I guess theoretically in this context uh, I just wouldn't have had the time to get around to it because I was too busy watching The Godfather 2 and When Harry Met Sally that's fair that's R- fair. Bruno- okay
1: your story checks out thanks
0: yeah okay so Jason Todd yeah he's the replacement Robin Batman decided to adopt him when he went inside someplace to stop a crime and Jason Todd tried to steal the Batmobile's hubcaps. He had it up on Sydney
1: blocks. That's a brave young man. And stupid. Well, they're not mutually exclusive.
0: No, and I think those are probably the qualities that you look for in a Robin.
1: <laughs> brave and stupid?
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, Dick is written to be Intelligent, smart. that's fair. But I mean, he's looking for a replacement. Like, I think maybe he's like, Dick got too big for his own britches. The way that it is... (laughs) I actually did not realize what I had said just then. Oh, dear. But the way that their relationship is written, it is written as though Dick is feeling like a jilted lover.
1: Yeah, which is not how you want to read it. Yeah,
0: but it's difficult to read it a different way. Mm -hmm. It's like,
1: he wasn't even gone for a few days when Bruce found a replacement for him. And to make it grosser, too, like that he's become an adult... Now, yeah, and there needs to be replaced by a kid.
0: Yeah. Ugh. Although you also see that in some ways, Dick is finding his replacement Batman in the world's worst district attorney. And he's like, I'm going to find a different grown up to go help me fight crime.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. It is weird. And I don't care for that DA man. No, I forget he's, his name. he's
0: fucking. T- his name's Adrian Chase. And that's right. I am holding a thumbs down. <laughs> that's how I feel about him. Yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty much all there is to the Robin subplot. He's off, he's taken out Scarapelli's place. He's hanging out with a shitty district attorney who's a bad influence, who smokes too much.
1: Not keeping his buddies updated who are worried about him. No, his buddies totally, or his girlfriend. Totally dissing his girlfriend, who, yeah. who
0: is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Jason Todd certainly is impressed <laughs> when he meets her. <laughs> what is he, he runs and answers the door, despite the fact that the house has a butler mm-hmm. who's... Job at that point is to open the door,
1: and the butler's annoyed. He's like, "Hey, kid, that's my job." I mean, he does yeah. a butlery, but
0: yeah. But he he opens the door and he sees that it it's Starfire and it says, "Oh boy." Yep. And then he kind of is like, it looks like his face is vibrating when he says that. And then she says, "Oh," uh, and tries to like feel out the situation to see if it is okay to be candid about the secret identity thing in mm-hmm. front of the kid. And Alfred's like, "Oh, it's okay. He knows." But as she is doing that. Jason Todd just goes oh. <laughs> yeah. So that's mm-hmm. the new Robin, okay. And that's that. So let's talk about the bad guy. Bad guy.
1: Bad guys. Mm. Trident. Soft Trident or hard Trident. <laughs> what? Oh, right. <laughs> like when I first read that, because it's the, yeah like, the ladies are describing about fighting the Trident bad guy. Yeah. Don and Raven. And one of them's like, the first time I fought him, he was so soft. And the other one's like, no, he was all muscle bound. And I was like, that's a really oh. unnecessary thing for them to chat about. And then later, of especially
0: course, as so. he is drawn the same way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it turns out that there are three of him and they are all using technology developed by smart trident for hive. Now, here's what pisses me off. They went ahead and switched up what the acronym hive stands for.
1: Oh, did they re-explain it and it's not the evacuation one?
0: It wasn't evacuation. It was (laughs) elimination. But but still, same thing. No, now it's hierarchy, which is still dumb, Mm -hmm. of international vengeance and extermination. I'm like, no, no, no. You can't just sneak out the poop reference. It is the hierarchy of international vengeance and eliminations Mm -hmm. or ranking angry poops. Exactly. Yeah. You can't just switch it up to exterminations. I haven't forgotten. I know it's still there. But this dude developed the trident technology for Hive and then decided to go into business for himself. Mm -hmm. And he gets two buddies so that you have the classic triptych of smart guy, Mm -hmm. dumb guy, Mm -hmm. sneezy guy. (laughs) (laughs) Sneezy guy with a southern accent. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a southern accent. For a couple of reasons. Okay. The spelling of the word you as Y-E-W.
1: Yeah, and there's no other way to read that.
0: You. You have to read it kind of like Brother Love mm-hmm. from Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And when he sneezes, he sneezes with a southern accent. Oh, yeah? a
1: do <laughs> Oh, no.
0: Like, otherwise it would be a but they throw in an A-I-T-C-H-O-O, which I think has to be read as a which uh,
1: is a very funny sneeze noise to me. It is a funny noise. That is a strange thing to me. How Well, these comics have not always dealt with accents in the best way.
0: That is absolutely true.
1: But the fact that they are realizing and attempting to write accents into nonverbal communication is a really important thing. Because sneezes, laughter mm-hmm. has accents. Yeah. I heard a. Guy from Germany with a very sick German accent in his spoken English laugh. And
0: it was totally a different laugh. Like,
1: yeah, if you were to transcribe it, it totally would have been like J-A-J-A-J-A instead of H-A-H-A-A-J-A. Whoa. I can't mimic it because my accent work needs a little polishing. What? (laughs) Corey. But I'm glad that they tried.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, the accent work is still terrible. But one thing that I did enjoy, too, is I think this is the first black character that they have portrayed. The, uh, Sneezy... Trident is a black man. And they gave him an accent that wasn't just interchangeable with Brooklyn accent. That said, I don't believe they let him say maybe. No, he still says maybe, Mm -hmm. which also the thing does. I think it's just if a character has an accent and they try to say maybe, it's Mm M-E-B-B-E. Because we've seen that attributed to a bunch of different accents. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: It was weird. And also, like I said, it's it's weird to have the triptych be a smart guy dumb guy sneezy guy (laughs) and that's the only real personality that he gets is he was sneezy and has a southern accent Mm. which was odd yeah yeah but but other than that smart guys you can tell he's the smart guy because he doesn't use contractions so therefore he is good at science Mm -hmm. the dumb guy was really dumb and everybody commented on it although he didn't like come across necessarily as less efficient or particularly dumber than the other two guys as it was portrayed it was just everybody's like oh yeah no he was dumb
1: was that the first guy that? Yeah, the the first guy guy.
0: yeah the guy who got killed yeah did he strike you as particularly dumb during the fight no he called that lady a bimbo which wasn't nice and then she called him a joik twice (laughs) twice that was actually pretty good yeah so as he's running away a lady, he knocks over a lady and she says, "Joike, you knocked me over. Joik, I'll sue you for every cent you stole. And he says, put a cork in it, bimbo. Then he, honestly, they all do an equally good job of getting away. And he had apparently, like, put one over on the other villains that he had lowballed them on the amount of money that he had stolen. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, it was the Teen Titans that tipped off the other Tridents.
1: You think they are responsible for his demise?
0: I think their actions contributed to it. I don't think they are responsible. I think the responsibility lies on the people who killed him.
1: (laughs) What? No, this makes sense. Yeah. It was just a... You think I was being pedantic? Yes. Oh, okay. Pedantic Raspberry. raspberry Oh, oh, I see. So, who do you think done them in? The other... Yeah, they say they did. Oh, did they? Yeah. Shit. I missed
0: it. It's when they're hanging out in the warehouse at at the end end. talking about it. Okay,
1: okay. Oh, that's right. How could you kill your friend for money?
0: Oh, well, that's that's what the Titans say. Right. I just didn't realize that they uh, admitted
1: it. Oh, yeah. I missed that part.
0: Yeah, I think it's before the Titans even show up.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, we had to do it because he lied to us. What
0: are you so upset about, Prof? I'm sorry. What are you so upset <laughs> about, Prof? Now we split the loot two ways, ain't you? <laughs> the idea of slaying Trent still repels me. Hey, come on, he was holding out on us. Told us that bank only had 50 grand when he pulled in over 100 thou. Man, he deserved getting it stuck to him, ain't you? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeehaw. Indeed, I mean that—that—that's implied. Sure. There was a reference in here that Tara makes when she and Kid Flash are fighting their trident, mm-hmm. the sneezy Southerner. Mm-hmm. Like she punches him and says something like, "Don't go saying that sugar-free." Mm. And I was like, "What the fuck is she talking about?" Trident. Yeah, Aha! I finally put that together. Aha! So I, I thought she I was making a reference to the Bay Area rapper Sugar Free. <laughs> and I was like, wait, he wasn't around in 83. He would have just been like 13 then. He wasn't in the rap game then. Have you heard his stuff? I'm not familiar with it. You should check it out. I mean, it's... Horribly misogynistic, as much rap from that era is. It's mm. mid mid 90s, is his stuff that I'm most familiar with. But he's got a fascinating, like almost conversational flow mm. that's like kind of Dolomite. I don't know um, this guy. You should check out some Sugar Free. Okay. I, I think you might enjoy it. Although, as I said, thematically, it's a, a bit problematic. Mm. Yeah, but that wasn't what she was referring to. She was saying it's Trident, so he's sugar free, which is actually pretty clever.
1: She's full of insults.
0: There are a couple of weird references that popped up in this that I was like, "Uh, I can't think of another way to take this, but that's pretty risque. I'm kind of surprised this is in a comic book from this era. Mm -hmm. One of which is when Starfire shows up and everybody's having their conversations about how they all fought this guy, but they have different descriptions of him. Rather than her being like, oh, this is some kind of a Rashomon situation. You all saw different aspects of the same character. She cuts that Gordian knot in half and is like, what's the big deal? You guys all fought different dudes. And it's an aha moment for many of the Titans. Mm -hmm. But for Terra... It is an opportunity to mock Starfire for no goddamn reason. And she says, Sheesh, just because she won the Golden Globes award, she thinks she's got an IQ. Harsh. Damn!
1: And also, what the fuck? I didn't get it for a second, and then I, I don't
0: ha- see what that could be other than a boobs reference.
1: Well, I looked at Starfire as a golden color, yeah. where her skin is, and that's yeah, no other way to look at that. And also, right after that, Donna's like, "Okay, hey, hey, you know, like we have a joking relationship, but there's a line, and you just crossed it." So, <laughs>
0: but knock it's it off. it's also it didn't seem like she says that to Tara, but then she apologizes to Starfire. <laughs> but that's
1: because there's some stuff that happened that they left out of the panels
0: yeah but so she apologizes to starfire and starfire is like i'm sorry i had to get angry but you're my friends and donna's like well we weren't acting like it no no you're right honey they weren't doing anything bad it was just Terra." and then she immediately was like hey that's not cool
1: and then there's some stuff we don't see because we also don't see starfire get angry we just see her apologize right so you it.
0: think they cut out the part where we were talking about <laughs> it earlier where beast boy is just sitting in the corner and as soon as Terra says that he just starts going boobs 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 yes! Yeah, he probably terrible. has a little pennant that he carries around that says boobs. "boobs" on it. Yeah. He's just waving back and forth. Oh, Beast Boy, he's the worst, isn't he? Gosh, <laughs> I can't believe you just did that thing that we imagined that you did. What terrible sophomore expensive. Terrible everything. Yeah, which is also what is he referring to when he says that Robin's gone? He's probably
1: off shaving a cat. What the fuck does that mean? Is that like a thing that people said? I don't think so. I I don't. What could that? mean like it's ostensibly a really difficult thing to do so he was dropping in esteem i don't know or he's doing a difficult thing that just has no point
0: i wasn't sure if it was a sexual innuendo <laughs> that was the way that i read it <laughs> <laughs> uh okay because a because beast boy said it and also then i looked up on the interview and i was like is shaving cats a thing it was like oh oh right yeah um But it was either that or people actually shaving their cats for the summer. Which, there are many breeds of cat that apparently you are not supposed to shave. Good to know. (laughs) But, I was like, what is going on in this comic book? That is very, very strange. Mm -hmm. And inappropriate. You guys are all being inappropriate. Mostly Beast Boy. But also Terra.
1: Well, they've been spending a lot of time together. Mm, Fair enough. Wally's a dumb jerk in this issue. He is a dumb jerk
0: in this issue. It should not be a surprise to me, but it, it always is. There's a scene where they're all hanging out in the pool, admiring the holodeck that Cyborg built for them, mm-hmm. which is pretty dope. It is pretty dope. They've just found that Trident's been murdered, and Wally's response to that is, good, I'm glad he's dead. Less for us to do. That's not cool. And everybody else jumps in and like, yeah, we're kind of opposed to murder. He's like not my job to stop crimes from happening uh
1: yeah yeah it is it's kind of it is, is. So. it is mm-hmm. wally maybe you don't want it to be anymore i think that's that's one of the dynamics that the superhero comics play with a lot though and, and this one especially getting into it with
0: was whether superheroes should kill
1: whether superheroes should kill and whether the life of a criminal is worth the same amount as the life of a non-criminal
0: yeah i think that's fair it's odd to me that they are trying to portray Wally in most regards as being a very reluctant hero but in his attitude towards crime fighting he's very gung ho and like no it's black and white it's very clear it's very simple if it's so simple why are you so opposed to doing it like it it just it doesn't work
1: for me for the character as it, they're trying to establish him it does also though fit with him being written as like the most what I guess we could say, socially conservative character, yeah. right? Like, like yeah. bad shit happens to people that deserve it because. Oh, so he's th- like he, he's a things. he's a
0: costumed crime-fighting Calvinist. Could be. Boo. <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. So that's one way in which Wally is being a jerk in this issue. The other way he is being a jerk in this issue is when he and Tara are out crime-fighting. She she's like basically making like crime-fighting small talk. And he's just like, yeah, I don't like you and I don't trust you. Whoa. Even if that's the case, you don't have to say it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just rude. And if you don't trust her, then don't let her know that you don't trust her. It's rude and stupid. He reminds me of... Do you remember the episode of Saturday Night Live that Joe Montana hosted?
1: I can't say that I do.
0: There was a sketch that the premise of it was, I think it was Phil Hartman and Jan Hooks are having a date and... They're flirting with each other, and you they'll be saying one thing, and then they'll be thinking another. Like He's like, oh, well, it's pretty late. If you want to go, I totally understand. And then he's thinking, please don't go. I totally want to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of doing the same thing. And then Joe Montana comes in, and he's Phil Hartman's roommate. And the joke of the whole thing is he thinks exactly what he says. Hmm. so he, he's he's like it's really nice to meet both of you guys and Phil Hartman is like oh yeah do you want to stick around and he's thinking you idiot get out of here can't you see I'm trying to score and it the capper is he's like no you guys won't bother me I'll be upstairs masturbating and then he thinks they won't bother me I'll be upstairs masturbating <laughs> but that's like what Wally is like you can think one thing and say another it's that fine that was Joe Montana? that was Joe Montana I
1: remember that skip now that you say
0: it <laughs> It was what I think it was co-hosted by him and another football player. I might be wrong about that.
1: Man, that is some funny shit.
0: Yeah. Uh, Joel Joe Montana's a comedic genius. It's probably what he's best known for. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think Raven doesn't want to go to uh, Paradise
1: Island and get Purple Raid up? I think she says it, pretty much, that, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Dragon will come out and kill everything.
0: No, she's saying that that's going to happen anyway, so it's useless to try to fix her.
1: Maybe she's worried it'll happen sooner.
0: If so, she doesn't say that. Maybe she's not being enough of a Joe Montana.
1: She's most certainly not being enough of a Joe Montana.
0: Now, Wonder Girl is saying, You've had several attacks lately. For your own sake, Graven, let us help you. On Paradise Island, we have certain machines. Now, she means the Purple Ray there.
1: That's all they got, really.
0: Yeah, it's the one machine that does <laughs> everything.
1: That's all they need.
0: And Raven's like, I'm sorry, but they cannot change what I am. I am Trigon's child in one way or another. The devil intends to possess me. That doesn't mean you don't try to fix it. It's a bad attitude. It's a bad attitude. Why you got to be a martyr, Raven? Mm. Against it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts
0: on that? Yeah, just pretty much that. Oh, okay. Bad attitudes. I think it's it's like a drama thing. Like, I'm just going to sit here and wallow in my sadness. I mean, my not sadness. Oh, wait, no. I could be sad. Sad's the one emotion I get. Yeah. I think leaning into her goth shit is just like... And she's acting like... She doesn't want to fix her problem. She just wants to have the problem. Mm. And I think that's unfortunate. Boo. Yeah. Pretty much boo. Go get the ray. Yeah, man. Go get purple rayed up. See what happens. There's also some fun
1: fork talk in this issue. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I, I missed it somehow in lightness.
0: Well, Beast Boy... Says to Trident something like, watch where you point that oversized cocktail fork.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, Beast Boy, oversized cocktail fork is a fork. It's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you need to learn some fork metaphors from Cyborg. Here's how you insult somebody with a fork. Cyborg says, that guy was definitely eating soup with a fork. <laughs> oh. That's way better. Zing. Especially because it's a guy who has a fork. Mm-hmm. Beast Boy. He should I, know, too. He's from rich people, so they got all kinds of forks, right? Oh, yeah, Ostensibly. yeah, he should know which fork is which. Hmm. I think he's, like, he wasn't raised rich. He, he like, is new, new money, because, like, he was raised by scientists.
1: Oh, that's right, yeah. How and, did...
0: Well, he got adopted by Steve Dayton, who's the fifth richest man in the world when he was affiliated with Doom Patrol.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
0: But still, I would suspect that they've had some kind of an etiquette training, like, montage with the kid. when he has to learn how to be rich. Yeah. He knows that there are different forks. And cocktail fork is the small one, man.
1: Even I know that. Yeah.
0: I mean, if I'm eating my cocktails with a fork, i want (laughs) to be a very (laughs) tiny fork.
1: The tiniest we got. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. I prefer the thing that looks like a sword. Like the little plastic sword. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Just, like, really work that thing to... (laughs) shoveled <laughs> that cocktail into your mouth.
1: <laughs> I meant for stabbing the fruit.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess that works too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or an olive or whatever. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, I get your point.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no. Well, you ready to get into the minutiae. <laughs> I think we should. That seems like the uh, right thing to do and likely the tasty way to do it. Rick. You wanna sing us in? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Cory eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Let's take this party to the Bozo. <laughs> what instance of a character calling another character a bozo, either literally or metaphorically, would you like
1: to discuss? Well, this issue had a literal bozo happen. <laughs> Thank you, bozo. It was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, Terra, referring to Beast Boy, as bozo breath.
0: She refers to him as having a couple of different kinds of breath in this mm-hmm. because she later on calls him <laughs> guacamole breath. Mm-hmm. So apparently he is putting guacamole on his bozos. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Oh, really? Oh. If you're if you're having a bozo, you don't want to be putting guac on him. You you want a you want like a nice sriracha aioli. No, so how do you like your bozos? Corey? I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't either. It's weird. <laughs> I'm not the one who says that Beast Boy has bad breath from eating
1: too many bozos and too much guacamole. No, you're not. That is on Terra. Yeah. But she wins.
0: Okay. I mean, obviously, you get a natural bozo. That's the, w- the winner of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like, as we mentioned earlier, Vic's, uh, he's eaten soup with a fork. Mm. Uh, that's a pretty good diss. Mm-hmm. There is also Vic apologizing for saving Beast Boy's life and saying, boy, the other Titans are never going to forgive me for this. That was fun. Which, pretty good.
1: That was fun. Pretty good.
0: But you're right. Natural bozo. Bozo's the winner. Although it is slightly mitigated because she's not calling him a Bozo, she's saying that he has eaten Bozo's and not brushed properly afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. there's that. Let's do the timestamp because there are actually a bunch of them in this issue.
1: Mm. What did you have for a timestamp? I had two cinematic timestamps. Mhm. The first one is The Jaws, Jaws 2, a Jaws 3D. Jaws 3D. Which,
0: Jaws 3 was Jaws 3D, because it was in 3D, and it was Jaws 3, and it was terrible.
1: I don't think I... I think I stopped after 2.
0: Uh, I think I did 2. I I know I saw it. I can't remember if it's 3 or 4, the one that has Michael Caine in it. Michael Caine's great. Yeah, but he does a lot of terrible movies. That is true. I read a book where he talked about, I'll do a movie for one of three reasons. One is, if they pay me enough money, I'll do a movie. Two... If I'll read the script, and it seems like it's a good film, I'll do the movie. And three, if they're filming in a fun location with people that I like, I'll agree to do the movie to get paid to hang out someplace tropical.
1: I, that kind I don't of, have any problems with either no, of
0: those. No, uh, totally, it's his job. And you'll see a lot of British actors specifically that just will do a lot of terrible movies. Because they don't view it as like a PR thing. They're like, it's my job to act. So if you pay me money, I will act. And it's not on me if the finished product isn't good. I'll be good in it. And that's that. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine with that. But yeah, like I said, I'm not sure if it was three or four that Michael Caine was in. But I'm sure people will tell us.
1: Likely. So also, another example of Beast Boy. being He thinks he's being funny because he can turn into any animal. If you're in a fucking pool with people, don't turn into anything that's like a giant carnivorous fish. That is... No, it's terrifying. It's awful. It's terrifying. You can't do it. He totally deserved to get boxed. It's across the line. It is across the line Mm -hmm. with Beast Boy. Yes. Maybe that's a new category.
0: (laughs) I think that's his his show that he does. Across
1: the line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You said you had a second cinematic timestamp? Indeed. Yes. Yes, it was the exciting fight which took place in the Mm drive-in cinema where we saw E.T. Indeed we did. And it's really cool looking.
0: It's them fighting in front of a movie screen that is showing scenes from E.T. and specific ones too. Perez's art is, it's great. as always, detailed, it's great. rich, and awesome. There was, perhaps you missed, a third cinematic reference, which is Terra referring to the movie Terror Train.
1: I, I had that written down with a question mark.
0: Yeah, that was a 1980 uh, slasher film. Oh, it's a bunch of med students that were part of a fraternity that, like, played a prank on this kid that they were hazing. And it freaked him out and he had to go to the insane asylum. And then they're on a train when they're graduating from college and uh, a murderer is loose. And it might have something to do with that kid. Just saying oh, it might. Geez.
1: And she laughed her way through that movie. Yeah. Which, that scene. Callous. Callous. Yeah. yeah.
0: Unhealthy. Indeed. Although maybe that's the way people cope with fear in different ways. Oh, that's true. Uh, Also, I mean, it's kind of a cheesy movie. The reason that she may have laughed her way through it is uh, the guy who directed the movie is Roger Woody. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So that is maybe why she laughed her way through the film. He did go on to demonstrate his own comedic chops by making the hit film Stopper My Mom Will Shoot. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. So that's Roger Spots Woody for you. Well,
1: good job, Roger.
0: <laughs> he sure does.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is also the sugar-free reference, mm-hmm. which is a popular Trident ad at the time. Mm-hmm. Not, in fact, the mid-90s Bay Area rapper. Nope. There is a further one in which Beast Boy, as he and Cyborg are fighting the initial Trident, makes reference to a dandruff commercial.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And... That seems very 80s to me, like oh, yeah. that type of commercial. Let's, yeah. uh, let's get a little sample of that dialogue.
1: That stuff was all over the place.
0: Yeah, the dumb trident says, You see, I've been itching to try out this gizmo. <laughs> That's your dumb voice. That's my dumb guy voice for, for dumb guy trident. <laughs> Beast Boy says, Itching? Then you've got unsightly dry scalp. Probably a sign of dandruff. You should really try that shampoo. Then maybe that cute secretary in the elevator will notice you. That's pretty good. That's the kind of wisecracking from Beast Boy I could really get behind. Sure. It's it's topical. It makes sense. It, it is of its era. It's not like a weird throwback to like him talking about Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. He did that? No, but he, he's always making references to like <laughs> 1930s and 40s humor. Okay. He didn't specifically mention that radio ventriloquist, but it is certainly the type of shit that he has dropped. I'm sure in the there past. were others. Yeah, and it's also not him sexually harassing people. So I'd like to see more of that, Beast Boy. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Keep with uh, the dandruff commercials. Okay. That's your a material. Sure. Sartorially speaking, Corey, what fashion choices in this issue would you like to
1: comment upon? Ah. So many robes.
0: So many robes. I read that
1: written down too. Did you... <laughs> I wrote
0: robes of plenty. Who had your favorite robe in this? Gar that had shoe? my
1: favorite robe. He had orange on orange.
0: Orange on orange is a nice look. I preferred Vic's robe, which was black with purple trim.
1: Which made me think do he and Donna have the same robe, or did she borrow his borrow robe from the previous? It may
0: be that like those are the Titan Tower robes and he just took his home with him. Mm -hmm. But I like that he's hanging out just like having breakfast and wearing a robe. Everyone else is wearing their robes because they just got done swimming. He's just at home hanging out with Beast Boy and just like, yeah, wear a robe around the place. It's my day off. Fuck it. It's a chill feeling to do that. It's It's really cool. It's nice when you get to do it. I like a good robe. You gotta pull it off in the right way though, because like you don't want to just be like Eric Stoltz in Pulp Fiction, you know, like the drug dealer who's yeah, just yeah. hanging around wearing t-shirt and shorts with a robe on uh, over it. Like
1: you gotta do it right. Don't be a drug dealer. Don't be a don't. Don't sell it. heroin to John Travolta. Don't watch too many cartoons and eat cereal. Yeah, but just like make yourself some coffee, wear a robe. It's mm-hmm. your day off. Yeah, enjoy Maybe it. Tuck a newspaper under your
0: arm. I think the key to having it be a classy thing, is the robe stays tied. Whoa, yeah. Yeah. That goes without saying. Perhaps it should, but it's not going to, because I just said it. <laughs> but, yes, I think that is the key difference. Mm. Like, you keep the robe tied, you don't just, like, have your t-shirt and shorts and then wear the robe over it like it's some kind of, like, a blazer.
1: Really big shirt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a robe. Mm-hmm. Tie that robe up. Yeah. I also liked uh, Wally's robe. Nice hunter green robe. Sure. We see Donna and Tara wearing, I believe, pink robes in this issue. It's just, all around, a lot of robes in this issue. Mm -hmm. Robes aside, were there any... uh... Yeah, yeah, worst DA ever's
1: uh, vigilante outfit was pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a nice little stocking cap. Yep. Really tight pants.
0: (laughs) Yep, it's a good dock worker look.
1: I know this was mid-80s, early mid-80s. It's very 70s. Yeah, it looks super, like, 70s dock worker crime guy yeah this is like
0: popeye doyle puts this on to go i'm gonna uh,
1: go rob you guys
0: i enjoyed that as well i also liked alfred's butlering attire
1: Hmm, standard butler
0: look kind of in that he's wearing like a suit with tails but his waistcoat is orange and his bow tie is bright red and i just thought that's an interesting butlering look good for you take it make it your own little flair There was one bystander piece of fashion that I thought worthy of note. It's on page nine, and it is when the museum is being robbed. So is that guy like a scoutmaster or something?
1: I thought that dude was a...
0: Like um, a museum
1: security guard? Mm -hmm.
0: It's weird, though. He's got that, like, loose yellow... uh,
1: Is it a cravat? That's a tie. Is it? It's so... It's terribly tied. It's way too big to be a cravat or an ascot.
0: It might be... Like, maybe it's a really badly done lanyard?
1: I I don't know what the fuck is up with that thing. It's not a... No, it's a fucked up tie. I don't think it's a... It's got a green shirt and a yellow tie. That's a museum security card in 1983. That's what they had to wear.
0: That is a really fucked up tie. I don't care for that guy. Boo! No wonder he let that criminal in there. He's doing a bad job. Bad Bad tie, bad job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what was your favorite panel?
1: Man, I'm not sure. I had a, I had two that are in competition. One is on page seven, and it's uh, the part where Garfield and, and Cyborg's story is being told. Mm-hmm. And it's a profile of Gar telling the story, and in the shadow in the back part of the profile is Cyborg drawn. Mm. It's got a very cool graphic quality to it, and um, I liked it. I thought that was pretty cool too.
0: I had a few. It's tough for me to not go with Terra Punching Punching the the fuck out of Beast Boy as a shark. Sure. So I think I'm probably leaning towards that. Although, also really hard for me not to go with Aqualad showing up in the first panel. Because it is drawn beautifully. And also, it's Aqualad, which made me really happy. So, those are my main thoughts. Although, there is also a really nice shot on page 17 of Trident number 3 standing in front of the E.T. movie
1: screen. That is a good one.
0: I think... I'm going to go with Aqualad in part because Aqualad is rocking a look that we, I don't think have seen him rock before where he has the A belt buckle that Mm -hmm. Aquaman used to sport. And I'm wondering if he just has been hanging out in Atlantis and like, did he earn the A? Is it like a designation that you get when you're in Atlantis or did he just swipe Aquaman's belt buckle? What do you think?
1: I think he earned it. I don't think he's the type to go swiping belt buckles.
0: Here's the thing about earning it, though. Mm. Do you know the origin of Aquaman's outfit? No. It's a prison uniform. What? Yeah, we find this out in the 1988 Legend of Aquaman
1: special. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's an Atlantean prison uniform, and he wears it so that he doesn't forget his roots.
1: Green and orange. Yeah, I mean, it
0: makes sense. Like, it's distinctive. You stand out in the ocean when you're wearing that. Yeah. It does also make it seem as though it's less about forgetting his roots and more about being, like, the Hamburglar or the Beagle Boys. Like, <laughs> when you go around wearing your prison uniform in your everyday when you're not in prison anymore, that's not really remembering your roots. That's like, a, a belt buckle would do that trick.
1: Hmm. But
0: the full prison outfit is, it's you're putting yourself in hamburgle territory. Like, <laughs> yeah. it makes a statement, but the statement it makes is, Robble, Robble.
1: Don't do that, then. Yeah, I, 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 I would say.
0: Yeah, that, that's fair. But
1: it looks good on Aqualad.
0: Rubble, Rubble. Indeed. Speaking of Aqualad, Corey, in this issue, who was the Aqualad, the
1: best Teen Titan in the issue? So, Aqualad was in the issue. Yes, he did a pretty good job. He, did pretty he didn't good, find but, the murder. But he was gone pretty fast, so... Yeah. Even though he's Aqualad, I'm, I'm not going to give Aqualad Okay. I actually had pretty much a 50-50 tie... I don't really know which way to go. So, I ha- I do have to pick one. Yes, you do. So, I'm going to pick one. And I'm going to pick Cyborg. Okay. Interesting. Why Cyborg? I'm going to pick Cyborg because even though I'm not super fond of Beast Boy, he totally saves him and what is a absolutely selfless way to do so. Yeah. A whole building is crashing down. He's like, well, I might I survive hope I, this. I hope I don't get crushed to death. Yeah. And I'm going to put the guy under me. And too. it is mentioned that it does hurt him a lot. hmm Yeah. So he does that, which is cool, but also he solves the great mystery of how to fight the Trident guys, which is that every time Ooh. a Teen Titan tries to use their superpowers to punch or whatever a Trident, the guy disappears, and they're like, what the hell? And he, he figures that out using his uh, cyber vision, Okay. and then steals the Trident. He also locates the bad guys at the end by using his technology on the Trident weapon to find the bad guy's headquarters okay so, ostensibly without him this issue would not come to the resolution that it did fair enough i also had a couple i think my
0: natural inclination would be to go with starfire because she does a great job and she immediately shows up and has an outside perspective and is like hey here's what's going on there's three of that guy you dummies mm-hmm. but you know says it real nice and also does a good job of standing up for herself and being like look i'm not stupid." I'm new to your culture. I don't know your customs, but I know lots of other shit. Don't treat me like I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that. And so that is why she would, in most cases, be my choice. However, we have a technicality in this issue. I ruled back in the original Teen Titans run, I believe it was issue number six where Beast Boy showed up, that if a character punches a shark in the face, he is the best Titan of the issue. In that issue, it was Aqualad fighting a mechanical shark.
1: Mm -hmm. But
0: there are a number of issues, and really, whenever somebody punches a shark in the face, they are automatically the Aqualad for the issue. Terra punches a shark in the face, she's the Aqualad. You gotta follow your rules. It's true. Conversely, who do you have for your speedy? The worst of Teen Titans.
1: Well, even though we didn't actually see him do it... I'm still pretty pissed off at Beast Boy for chanting boob, boobs, boobs. Boobs,
0: boobs, 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 boobs. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's just yeah. not it's, cool. Yeah,
1: it's not cool. It's out of line. It wasn't cool that Donna chuckled for a second when he did it before she, because that's the only reason why she would have apologized to right. Starfire. Right, right. Yeah. But, like, come on, man. And yeah. also turning and into a shark in the pool. Like, that's some fucked up shit. You don't do that. That is fair. That is fair. I was tempted
0: to go with Terra as my speedy for the Golden Globes crack, because that's not cool. mm uh, and t- to basically assume that because Starfire is beautiful, that she is dumb, not cool, Tara. But you're right. The shit that Beast Boy did off-panel that we <laughs> that we invented for him to have done is very inappropriate, and so he is the worst.
1: Ah, we're yeah, in accord.
0: Yes, mm. it's Beast Boy. He's the Speedy. Also, don't turn into a fucking shark in the pool, don't do that. or in any water. Or I mean, you can do it if you're fighting bad guys, but
1: that's not a fun prank to pull not on your buddies. Not to your friends. Don't do that. Don't be a sea snake.
0: No. Don't be no, a moray water moccasin, eel. Ugh.
1: Nothing creepy in the water.
0: Yeah. That's a great rule in general. Nothing creepy in the water. Thank you. Agreed. I am thanked. <laughs> <laughs> what would be another creepy thing you could turn into in the water?
1: An electric eel?
0: Yeah, okay. I, I think the, any eel, really. Like a moray eel would be horrifying. Those things are Wolf eel.
1: Yeah, giant squid. Oh, lamprey eel with the round mouth. Yeah, no gross, thanks. Gross, gross, gross.
0: Yeah. School of piranhas. We can't turn into more than one animal, can he? I don't At think so. At the same time, wouldn't. be Well, cold. don't try it. Don't no. try it. No, don't do that. It's dick. Yeah, you can't turn into. Can't turn into any scary animals under the water.
1: Don't do it. Yeah, you jerk. Oh, those deep sea fish with the light.
0: I'm okay if he turns into one of those.
1: A giant one. Oh, no, that's too, that's too creepy. Yeah. Yeah, the little one's okay, though. No. Piranha, like in the
0: movie Piranha. Yeah, that's scary. Ooh. Yeah, no thanks. Octopus is pretty cool. You can be an octopus or a squid, but don't grab anybody when you're those things. Mm, definitely. Let's see. Uh, jellyfish is okay. I mean, they're scary, but not creepy. Mm-hmm. You know? hmm Enormous lobster wouldn't be cool. Or a crab. Yeah. I think crab and lobster are okay what
1: about if they're like 10 feet big though 10 feet i think long.
0: that that i think that's fine i mean you know don't don't get all clawy or handsy or whatever <laughs> or whatever, they or whatever the equivalent is but like okay. y- you know I, I, for, not, for whatever crustaceans reason okay. I, crustaceans i don't think are inherently creepy in the same way you know you don't so, well i mean that's because they're small yeah i guess I mean, it would be scary if you saw one, but I don't think they're like... It's not the same as turning into a shark.
1: Crayfish the size of a house. It's delicious. Will yours be delicious to it? That's not true. They eat chicken. I'm not a chicken. To a giant crayfish you are. touche Aha. All
0: right. All right. Well, Corey, Apolet did appear in this issue, but he wasn't in the issue for very long, so it's a judgment call. Do you want to do a Wapoot this issue? Yeah. All right. Well, then, in the year of our Lord, 1983, and the month of our Lord, July, Wapoot! What
1: was Aqualad probably up to? So, we did discuss that in his good natured way, he suggested he had a lady friend back home to, to get back to. Uh huh, a mermaid. A mermaid. I posit that, you know, not necessarily true or that the rush was that big. So if this story, the beginning of it is ostensibly near the beginning of the month, Mm -hmm. that gives him some time in the the greater New York area. Mm -hmm. I think it's come up in the past that he's a fan of good, um, especially danceable music. Yeah. So he was super excited to go catch Diana Ross. Oh, yeah. Play her show in, in Central Park. Sure. However, due to the crime shenanigans and all the extra work that he had to do, he didn't get there quite on time. Oh. And there was a terrible storm. Oh. And the concert was ended early because of the storm. And he shows up in his not even wearing his poncho. Because he's just happy that it's raining and everything. Uh Uh-huh. But the show is over. And he misses his chance to see Diana Ross. And he's really bummed out. And then he goes back to Atlantis. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well,
0: it's a good thing he got back to Atlantis when he did. Because they were having some troubles. Mm. Atlantis has, at this point, established some... uh, some diplomatic inroads with uh, Japan. And so they have some trade routes that have opened up. In Atlantis, they're advanced in terms of technology, but in a fun kind of retro way. Like, they're futuristic, but in the way that, like, the 60s thought the future would be. Mm. That's the kind of advanced technology they have. So they're still doing a lot with pneumatic tubes. Mm -hmm. So they were in the process of building a series of pneumatic tubes that would lead to Japan. From Atlantis and there was a clog in one of them so they sent Aqualad out to repair it and th- it went into like the center of Tokyo. So Aqualad has to go and he has to repair this clog in the m- pneumatic tube and he does so but that makes him just pop out of this tube in the middle of Tokyo carrying this giant plunger and it was a very inspirational sight because on July 14th inspired by seeing this dude, dressed in red and blue, carrying a plunger, pop out of a <laughs> pipe...
1: I know this is going.
0: <laughs> this <laughs> Super Mario's <laughs> video game uh, debuted in Japan.
1: Uh, Thanks,
0: Aqualad! Thank you. That action led to Super Mario Bros. 3, the greatest video game ever. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a guy. What a guy. Well... Thank you so much for joining us, dear listeners, on this very goofy episode. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with us, please do so. You can reach us at ttwasteland at gmail dot com. If you would like to... If you...
1: <laughs> oh, farts. Um, money. What? Money?
0: Sure! If you would like to give us some money, you can do so at patreon.com slash ttwasteland. And I haven't said exactly what the goal is yet, because I'm going to need to do some math. But if we reach a certain amount, I'm going to put out a fifth episode every month that will be me and Lisa reading an issue of Howard the Duck. Because when we recorded the special episode... Lisa loved Howard the Duck and wants to do a series on it, and I want to figure out a way to find the time to do that. But it will mean that I will have to cut back some hours at work, which means I will need to make up the money. So if you would like to hear that, then you can send us some money at Patreon. It is patreon.com slash ttwasteland. And hopefully that will be something we are able to do with your patronage. Thank you. If you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher... Or wherever you listen to podcasts, I would really appreciate that. A favorable review if you got one in you. If not, feel free to just not say anything. Learn a lesson from Wally West. You Mm. don't have to say everything you think. Don't be a Joe Montana, unless you like us. In which case, be a Joe Montana. And that's the lesson for today. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
1: Achoo! Uh, a shitty little human he is he's a real turd fucker or he's not even a human
0: yeah he's a human
1: <laughs> he's a, he's like a green human yeah but that's still a human that turns being into Corey. animals yeah but so he... when he is in the form of say a giraffe is he a human
0: yeah hmm.
1: he's not a giraffe with a human brain
0: i think he's got a giraffe brain but he has a Gotten human it.
1: mind got a stupid mind (laughs) good one thanks
0: all right you're ready to go i suppose okay so what do you want to start with (sighs)
1: such
0: enthusiasm let's take this party to the bozone oh right out of the (laughs) i don't know what words do anymore right out of the bat right off the bat that's the phrase Right out of the bat. Take it over Andy
1: Johnson again. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> that was a bat guy, right? The baseball p- no, the pitcher. He, yeah, he was a pitcher. Oh.
0: <laughs> he was an American league pitcher for the most part. I guess he did play for the Diamondbacks for a while, so at that point he would have to bat. But it was not really what he was known for.
1: No, I imagine the bird got hit with the bat, but then it went. No, I, he I got remember hit, it was it, it, a ball. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Bozone? Let's Okay.